Welcome to the Irrational Discourse Podcast. Fair warning, the topics we discuss may be sensitive subjects for some listeners. Since we try to look at each subject from different perspectives, the views expressed during each episode will, at times, invariably differ from our own. Our intent is not to change what you believe, only to influence how you think. And looking at something from a completely different perspective is one way of doing just that. If we want to live in a prosperous and harmonious society, we believe that it's important to be able to openly, rationally, and non-judgmentally discuss our differences. All we need is a little love, mutual respect, and an open mind to get us through. With that, let's begin. recording we can always delete the first however long (laughs) so so here we are yeah here we are hey chris hey doug love you man oh i love you too (laughs) (laughs) this is the irrational discourse podcast and this is our genesis episode we're just starting off getting used to our equipment this may or may not even end up on anything <laughs> uh, <laughs> but this is uh this is as i said it's our genesis episode and we are going to break the ice with um kind of a casual conversation on uh, red pill blue pill theory um which one are you uh, well, we're going to get there, but I, I, you know, I, I have gone through life um, having firm beliefs that I've uh, that I've adhered to um, that have changed throughout. And interesting, um, I, I have always seen myself as a absolute yeah. Who are you? Red pill guy. Red pill. Mm-hmm. And now I have doubt. Okay. Now, what makes you say this? So we'll get there. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I, I think everybody. You know, all of our tens and tens of listeners have probably seen the 1999 film The Matrix, and this conversation is uh, framed framed around that movie. And if you haven't seen The Matrix, um, it's it's kind of one of those musts. You know, I, I firmly believe that they should show it in high school. Make sure the kids get exposed to it, like the Twelve Angry Men or something. If you haven't seen The Matrix, then uh, damn, that's all <laughs> I can say. <laughs> so. So I, I, when I came up with this, because you and I have have sat around and over wine and beers in the past, and just got started waxing philosophical on. Oh, it's one of my favorite things. All kind of crazy shit and red Deep pill, dive. blue pill, always comes up. So it, it's one of those things where I thought if we're going to break the ice, let's let's do it on red pill, blue pill. How controversial can it be? And uh, you know, our goal is to have conversations. Uh, on controversial topics, but but to do so with love, with in a non-judgmental, rational, reasonable manner, and um, so we could gradually evolve into there. But after doing a little bit of research on it, uh, I found out a red pill, blue pill can go a little bit deeper than just Neo and Morpheus and Cipher. Oh, okay. So uh, yeah, I mean, how so? They uh, okay. So the first thing that I obviously come up with is, you know, do we live in a simulation? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, anytime you experience, uh, you know, a string of red lights, it makes you wonder, makes me wonder, like, uh, this is it, right? This, this is this is proof that I live in a simulation, right? Because 
we have all these sophisticated algorithms that we can work out as a society, or not necessarily me, but uh, you know, smart people that do math, and uh, we can figure out how to categorize trillions amounts of data, but yet we can't figure out how to get from point A to point B without a frictionless transition, you know, right? Like, it's maddening. Any, anytime you get frustrated, it's like, ah, you're screaming, but who are you screaming to? What are you screaming at? Does it do anything? It's either the Matrix or, <laughs> or God hates us. Right, yeah. And, and you know, a, a thoughtful person could, you know, drive themselves crazy just uh, trying to, to answer why. Um, so why take the red pill if you could take the blue pill? Exactly. And that's kind of what led me down the road. And, and again, you know, I mentioned that you know, maybe it's evidence that God hates us. And after the next episode, he probably will. Um, so <laughs> if he's even listening, if he's even listening, if he cares, I, I don't know. I don't know if he follows us. Um, but the, <laughs> I figured after our first episode, uh, most of our fans will, or most of our followers will think we're complete idiots. And the ones who listen to our second episode by the end will hate us um, when we get under the topic of God. So <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I ended up breaking it down into four categories. Um, okay. So the first was, do we live in a simulation? And then after that, how would our personal beliefs, our motivations, our ideology, uh, the, the happiness level that we have in our current life, how content we are, how would those factors influence our decision over whether to take the red pill uh, or blue pill? Which took me one step further, which is, what do reality and truth even mean or and can it even apply to happiness that you know those things too um it, that that's kind of where i was a little caught up on you know i mean if a, if a person is happy and content you know would they be inclined to even want to consider the red pill you know they're like oh i'm good blue pill all day right R right exactly and this is one of one of my first uh notes that I jotted down was something I had read many years ago um, and had subsequently forgotten, but went back and kind of rehashed. Um, had, had, had you ever heard of Plato's allegory of the cave? Uh, you know, I would need a refresher. I couldn't say yes. Is uh, Mike, is that the one? No, you go ahead. All right. <laughs> Fine. Let me botch it. Okay. <laughs> so, so this goes back obviously thousands of years to, to Plato, and it was narrated by Socrates um, and one of his peers. And this is something that they discussed you know, well before you know, our time. And mm -hmm. it, was, uh, it was basically, the concept was, imagine a group of, of humans who uh, had been raised their entire lives in a cave. They were chained to one of the walls and they were bound in such a manner that they could only face the opposite wall from, from where they were chained. Behind them, there was a large fire, and people would walk back and forth across the bridge between the fire and them. They wouldn't be visible as silhouettes of humans, but they would carry uh, placards that were shaped like either creatures or uh, some anthropomorphic okay, yeah. uh, type of silhouette. You're and describing what I was thinking. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and it, but it, keep going for yeah. our audience here because you're, you're doing a good job of um, they're, they're essentially trapping them in a in a simulated state where uh, they're they're tricking them into believing that their reality is something that it necessarily isn't. They're not even aware that they're in the trap. Right. It, that's exactly what it is. And the, the people that are changed chained to the wall 
they begin to attribute over the span of their life names to the different silhouette shapes that they see. Uh, they create background stories for them. Um, they, they develop a life of their own. That is their reality. That's the only thing that they can see. Yeah. And kind of the concept was if they ever freed some of those individuals. What would happen to their, men- their everything, mental it, state, their, what would they do, how would they react, would they accept right. it? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and one of the one of the theories was some would turn around and see the fire. The light would be so bright that they couldn't believe what they were seeing and would want to flee back in terror to the wall. And there were others that would uh, embrace their freedom and want to expand their knowledge of what reality really was. And that was kind of from what I could find in my research. Really, the, the the first incident of red pill, blue pill. Would 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 you want to go out and explore the real world and have your eyes opened, or would you want to close your eyes to what you saw behind the fire and, and this line of thought came back to the wall? All this line of thoughts all the way back to Plato. It, exactly, and this is amazing. Yeah, because uh, I mean, just uh, back in the '90s and last 20 years, uh, it's been repopularized this idea in a new way. Right, and that's the it, and also I've stumbled across things. Uh, again, just doing some background research for the episode where this has gone back thousands of years where people thought that we might have been living in a false world fabricated by demons or the the ideology or the thought that what if our reality is actually the dream of another entity that we're living in? We're just a construct in, some, in another entity's brain. Sure. I mean, we don't know. When we start exploring these ideas... Right. And that's, and that's what's interesting is because it's, so after the movie, The Matrix uh, in 1999, uh, there was, this actually started to take life in the physics community who started to analyze the possibility of what if we live in a simulation? And in 2003, I believe it was, there's a Swedish uh, physicist um, in Europe um, named Nick Bostrom who created uh, the simulation hypothesis. And, and, uh, okay, and so uh, do, off the top of your head, do you know how to, I mean, how are they trying to test this experiment? You know, if you're going to create an, an, a hypothesis, right. an experiment, what, what is it? What is it? What did he come up with? Yeah, so right now it's statistical probability. That's the only thing that they can go off of. And, okay. And so his hypothesis um, basically states that there are three possibilities, and it's that our descendants or another intelligent life form in the universe will never reach sufficient technological advancement to create the simulations necessary to simulate the complexities of our universe. Okay, so, so that's, that's, like, that's like one possibility. That's one possibility. The, okay. the second of the three possibilities are that our descendants or another intelligent life form will reach that sufficient technological capability but they won't have any interest in running simulations on the universe or ancestor simulations. So they'd have the capability, they'd have the technology, but would have no will or desire to actually do anything with yeah, it. They don't say. care. Yeah. yeah. Or they do other things with it. They have no interest. Yeah. In... There's only so much time. They're busy doing other things, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I don't know, conquering the multiverse or something. Okay, it's, so that's that's enough. That's possibility number two. Right. Possibility number three: all of us, or a significant portion of all sentient life forms, are living in a simulation. Oh wow. Okay. 
it, it's interesting because yeah, a lot of people will discard this outright and uh, you get into the philosophy of it and you get and, and you start listening to people who are far more intelligent than I am, uh, you know, physicists, astrophysicists, um, you know, philosophers, and some of them put the odds at, yeah, maybe a 10% chance we live in a simulation, but there are many others who put it at 50-50. Mm-hmm. Well, let's say we do live in a simulation. Can we, can we take that and explore perhaps, I mean, say we do, then who or what would be uh, running the simulation? Yeah. I suppose that's ideas for another podcast, right? No, that's, <laughs> absolutely, that's absolutely perfect. And we were, we, we were joking around uh, the other day um, about this. And uh, I, I think I said it's probably some teenage alien with space acne that sitting behind his computer and just running the program Playing and sims you know, it, it's like look at these idiots exactly <laughs> look it, at them stopping at traffic lights right <laughs> seven in a row <laughs> i'm putting in an eighth <laughs> but yeah yeah elon musk was one he he is oh he was an alien no he oh. is fairly convinced that we live in a simulation today oh sure yeah a, a believer in the simulation he, he's idea. an absolute believer in in the simulation yeah, I've heard that as well. Um, yeah, cool. I mean, I guess, you know, to really dive into an idea, you know, um, to, to, to explore its possibilities, right, to, to test it, you know, you got to bring it on to yourself. I, I'm not really sure. Uh, I have a personally, I have a really hard time just saying like, oh, I believe this or I don't. I'm, I'm so open to questions. You know, it's, it's really hard for me personally to to, to stay committed to like, all right, this is, this is truth. And so therefore I'm going to act upon it. X, Y, Z. Um, if that, you know, that makes any sense. Um, I could believe that we're living in a simulation. I could also accept that this isn't a simulation at all. This is just, it is what it is and it's all it ever will be. Enjoy life to its fullest. Do well. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> right. And that's kind of my, one of my thoughts too, is if, if we are living in a simulation, yeah, how would we ever know? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, would we even be able to escape it? You know, like, and should we even try? Should we even try? Yeah. Would it be better just to embrace the blue pill? Yeah. And just enjoy life because otherwise what's waiting on the other end? Yeah. I mean, Neo and Trinity, God, I mean, they're in their whole, all the whole gang, Morpheus and the whole Nebuchadnezzar crew in the Matrix movie. Yeah. I mean, they, they lived a life of strife and, but it was purposeful. So. Um. Yeah. And, but see, that bugged me too, because I, I thought about that and, you know, the movie kind of influences you. I mean, Neo is the, uh, the good-looking ninja type, and yeah, he's looking out for man, his friends, you know? and you know, he, you know, people would like if I had to live in that, I would definitely be Neo. Yeah, he's one of those guys that yeah, you'd want to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cipher was just some you know pudgy, pasty, unloyal dude yeah. that was just looking out for himself, and who would ever want to be that guy? But. If, yeah, you know, uh, like maybe maybe you're dealt a bad hand in life or something like that, you know. So of course you want to take the blue pill. Yeah, but then there's also you got to think about. So from from the perspective of Neo, he, you know, he had a pretty he had a pretty mundane life. He he wasn't happy in his life. He was bored. He was bored. Very bored. Yeah. Um, he didn't have family or close relationships. At least uh, that didn't make it out that he did. Um, he had a boring job. He had the benefit of 
uh, of Morpheus, giving him little sneak peeks into what the real world was like. And it was exciting. And it was exciting. And it didn't hurt that there was a leather-clad trinity um, as part of his crew. Yeah, hey, come with me to this underground party, you know? Right. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'll show you the white rabbit. Yeah. (laughs) All you got to do is take this pill. Right. (laughs) But then I, you know, I... I always, like I said, I always thought I was the red pill guy, but then, you know, there's always a little bit of doubt that creeps in. Like, uh, I have an awesome life. I, I am, <laughs> I'm as about as happy as I could imagine ever being in my life. Awesome. Yes. And, and if one day, and I think about this in the weird hours of the night, you know, Morpheus come popping out of my closet, waving colorful medicinals in my face <laughs> and asking me to join him in his uh, shit show reality. And, and Trinity was really a 300-pound mechanic named Steve, <laughs> yeah, would I take the red pill? Yeah, would you? Yeah. I, I mean... I would doubt it, but you tell me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, it, you, you figure, okay, say this, say this is a simulation. Mm-hmm. What if what is fiction in our simulated reality is the real shit? Oh, in the in the in the in the red pill reality. Wow, no, there's an idea. I, I mean, what if at the bottom of that rabbit hole, there's something straight out of The Walking Dead or out of Star the Trek. Old Testament or, or the Old Testament? Yeah, I, I mean, it's like hell no. And what if Agent Smith? I, I think I wrote this somewhere. He seemed to have a lot of uh, of pull with how many wishes he granted. Yeah. <laughs> so what if that proverbial genie would grant like six wishes instead of three? And what if my family in this life was also plugged into that simulation? And in order for me to maintain that relationship, I had to de-plug them and pull them into the reality. Sure. Yeah. And there was no cell phone reception or shitty shopping malls. You had to do it old school. You'd have to go track and hunt. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, would I be able to pull them out of their happy, contented life that we're living in today? I suppose you probably wouldn't even know those questions until you actually popped that red pill. Well, right. 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 But that's it. (laughs) That was my point is that Morpheus had the, the sneak peek power. Yeah, yeah, and he did. Yeah, he already was seeing behind the veil. So, yeah, hmm. But I mean, maybe I would go back, and then yeah, maybe I could understand where Cipher was coming from. I suppose it kind of comes from a certain level of like uh, fearlessness, maybe you know, or be, being able to gauge that. You know, would would you be able to embrace the unknown? You know, as an as an individual, you know, how many times have you jumped out an airplane or jumped out a of a bungee cord or? You know, embrace the fear, you know, or yeah, I mean, is that a part of it? Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, it's got to be the the psychology behind it. But then again, yeah, I was always a bit of a a bit of a junkie for doing things that were, you know, rock climbing or, you know, no fear of like going out and let's go skydiving or let's do this or let's do that until. Yeah, I had kids of my own, uh-huh. and I found an amazing woman, and we got a great life, and now I am a hell of a lot more risk-averse than I used to be. I understand. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, you become more um, more grounded and more attached to, to your reality instead of being more open to you know the, the, the outside chaos that the infinite possibilities of anything could bring upon you. <laughs> I think about the consequences of my actions more is what I was guessing. Oh, was sure. Saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I, I have things in my life today that I don't want to lose that weren't in my life when I was younger mm-hmm. um, that well, I probably would have been more willing to pop the red pill. Sure. Yeah. So here's something else that I think of, and it's kind of going back into the theological aspect too. And okay. And so, and in our next episode, we're going to have we're going to have uh, Peter James on, and it'll be you know much more in depth conversation on on God. But one of the things in my, I guess my in my internal thoughts when I'm sitting there, you know, again waxing philosophical on on the gods and simulations, and it's. Uh, what if the gods were either the gods or a god, mm-hmm. nothing more than a construct of the programmer, mm-hmm. or you know, something that he put in the world as a figure that you know we would we would bond ourselves to and and form that union? It's could the biblically historical texts that we have of God or gods making appearances uh, in front of the masses actually be nothing more than our programmers intervening oh, sure. in, into the program. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, com- coming into the program, and, and that's just how they manifest in this reality. That's, that's the way they make their appearance known, is as a supernatural, all-powerful, omnipotent being. Maybe. Is there evidence that that's ever happened, you know, or, can, you know, I mean, can, can we point to stuff like that? Like, hey, Mr. Programmer, we're going to go talk to you directly. No, but I, I mean, there's there there. I don't know if there's direct evidence because I still wonder how much of the biblical text is apocryphal and how much is historically accurate. But when angels would appear and make their presence known, or when Ezekiel saw the wheel, was you know, you know was that wheel uh, something from you know the creator, or was it a programmer, or was Ezekiel just or suffering it, from delusional psychosis? Yeah, perhaps he was dehydrated. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so say our programmer does inter- you know, or would intervene in our you know just. The guy's a narcissist, or the girl's a narcissist, or it is a narcissist, and he wants to make itself known and come in and enjoy the praise of the masses that it's created, and uh, kind of like playing The Sims, and you're wanting your NPCs to maybe to, to genuflect and glorify you, right? Yeah, maybe sometimes, maybe maybe sometimes the the programmer just had a bad day when they come in. They're like, "All right, you guys are going to worship me, okay?" <laughs> 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 exactly. That's exactly right. And then someday, you know, he just, uh, he, he pepped right up, you know, had a little morning kiss with his wife. And, uh, you know, it was just like, hey, guys, you know, I'm just going to give you the keys of the kingdom today. Have That's fun. exactly right. <laughs> it's like one day it's on your knees, bitch. And the next day it's like, I love all of you. Yes. <laughs> How's that different from the Old Testament? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there, which also makes me wonder: the last, as far as I know, at least in the, at least in if if we just look at Christianity, you know, Islam is a more recent, but in Christianity, the last known real intervention by a divinity has been over two thousand years ago. Yeah, yeah. So uh, why two thousand years? And, and you're talking about you know Jesus himself coming down and manifesting, uh, and and essentially solving problems, right? And, and then that's like one of the last 
little edits that that has happened that we've seen in recorded history. I'm not aware of anything more recent than that. Yeah, I I couldn't say that I am either. I'm not to say that it's it it hasn't. Um, I'd be very curious to hear of any more testaments. Um, and maybe we have heard of them. They're just not as mainstream and not as popular. And, you know, just the idea of uh, the New Testament um, is just so powerfully dominating the cultural mindset that it's easy to overlook any other smaller miracles that may have or may not have happened since then. Well, I guess we could look at, well, for example, just under 200 years ago, according to Joseph Smith, Mm -hmm. uh, God sent the angel Moroni to talk to him and reveal the golden tablets that led to the Church of Latter-day Saints and the Mormons. Um, Now, they're discounted by nearly two billion of the Christian community, but who's to say they're wrong? Sure. It's hard saying, yeah. It it is hard. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's it's the part. Go ahead. It, well, it's just, it's, uh, you know, coming up with ideas. It's kind of like what you referenced, you know, earlier. What if everything that you read that's a fiction is true? Or what What if that's the answer behind the veil or something? It could be anything, you know, right? So We would have no idea what's on the other side. Yeah. Um, you know, here's an idea, too. Uh, gods themselves, just, uh, they are ideas. And how, and, and how they're able to endure time is because there are intelligent beings such as humans like ourselves that are able to remember and continue to share and storytell those ideas. Is that how they're even able to exist is, you know, maybe it's just kind of some static up in the cloud that is a collective of thought that just comes from our brains working together, and and maybe that's like the server that creates part of the computer that makes up that god or something, uh, you know, and, and through the generations, it's able to live on and on and on uh, just just through sheer belief um, and, and thoughtfulness, uh, the fact that it's actually in people's minds, you know, that that idea sticks, you know, is, is thought real at all you know does does the little lightning that goes off in our neural synapses does that count you know towards towards reality i don't know that 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 was an idea that kind of gets into the one of the questions i had on reality but you know just kind of thinking about why hasn't god intervened in two thousand years and i'm sure we will get into this with oh yeah mr james i'm very excited here yes Uh, it'll be a wealth of information right it's like why was the last time God intervened was in a backwoods part of the Middle East and the masses, uh, the uneducated, un- unintelligent masses of a very superstitious people and nothing since. Sure. Um, maybe that's where they needed it the most. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe. But I, I'm, I mean, again, we're kind of de- deviating into religion, but I would think if God wanted to have a more lasting, more enduring impact, it would have been in something maybe like maybe appeared in Samaria or Mesopotamia, Babylon, or maybe even Rome. Yeah. Um, you know, you know and, and, and why doesn't he just wipe out all the crap? You know, why, why does he even try and fix it? You know? Oh, yeah. Or stop just, all the fuckery. Yeah. It's just. <laughs> oh, now I got to put an explicit tag on the goddamn <laughs> podcast. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's fine. 
That's fine. Okay, I can do the explicit tag. So yeah, stop all the fuckery. Yeah, just, it makes just, it more interesting. It does. You know, the kids will want to buy it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, one of the things I thought is, all right, so. I, th- I think there's two possibilities if we are in a simulation on why it's been 2,000 years oh, yeah. uh, since the last one. So, I mean, the, the first one seems technically more feasible is that it was time dilation. And hmm. what's 2,000 years to us might be five seconds in, in the supercomputer oh that's God, yeah. running the simulation. Um, it just a lot of shit has happened in that five seconds that to us seems like you know, now we're getting into the relativity of time. Sure. Because that Let's is... Let's do it. That is actual... That, you know, that's a physical probability. We just... We just sense and detect time differently uh, than... Than, say, God. Then, then, or yeah, the programmer. God. Yeah, and you know, or, let, let's just use the two interchangeably. Sure. Yeah, or, yeah we know. can put on all kinds of words. The universe, the it, cosmos. Exactly. Eight, uh, right. Yeah, yeah Q. Mm-hmm. Q, yeah, <laughs> Star Trek. Yeah, let's go with Q. <laughs> um, so, and that one seems to be, if we're in a simulation, that's probably the most technically feasible answer. Is that two thousand years is nothing? Sure, it, it's just a you know, it's a it's a few programming cycles. That it's a it's, flicker. It's a flicker in the program, and it's trying to analyze of you know when's the next best time to uh, come down, and who knows. Um, uh, the the other one is. If it isn't time dilation, maybe our programmer lost interest and you know, ran out to play with the other alien kids, or For maybe sure. or maybe it died or something. It, it yeah. died, and, and in which case, we're on autopilot until the next galactic power outage turns us into a blinking cursor on a some supercomputer somewhere. Until all those monkeys in that room finally write that novel. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, but you know, on the time dilation too, I thought you know we live in an expanding universe. We we know that now. We've known that for you know the last 80, 90 years, and it's expanding at an ever increasing rate. And maybe that has something to do with time dilation as well. It's like, well, let's get this show on the road because I want to see what happens from point A to point B. Okay, yeah, yeah, the time dilation thing. Um, there's an idea, because that's when you can really kind of zoom out, you know, of the small little intricacies of day-to-day life and, and, and go, go out, you know, to the, the planet, to the solar system, to the galaxy, the galactic cluster, you know, keep zooming out and zooming out, the universe, the multiverse, all that stuff. How, how could that be possible? You know, how, how, how does the functions of this stuff work? And time dilation is fascinating because if you can imagine just a flicker going off, you know, maybe that was one of the, how the very first hydrogen particle was created was just, there was nothing and then there was something, zero and then one. And then it just kept repeating itself and repeating itself until new patterns emerged just out of maybe boredom sheer i mean there's right like there there's nothing it's doing the same thing over and over and over again but then consciousness is born and that's like the second step uh is that yes you know and then like and then next thing you know more complex particles are you know created into you know things that uh let me let me see if i can get back in my body here folks because my my mind is is way up there no you know Uh, (laughs) you know what you you really need to listen to Philip Goff's podcast. Okay. And I was listening to one with him and Keith Frankish the other day. They just 
I mean, the first 10 minutes is them being stupid asses talking about Christmas crackers, um, <laughs> but, but they're great. I mean, both those guys are great. And they, and they really got into, um, you know, what is consciousness? Okay. And yeah. we don't know today. You, I, so Neil deGrasse Tyson said something once that, that, that I thought was great. He's like, do you know how, do you know how we have no idea what consciousness is? It's because there's so many goddamn books being written about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody figured it out, there'd be one book and that would be the end of it. We'd be on to the next thing. But, you know, there's three states uh, really. I had never heard of panpsychism. Panpsychism. And, yeah. Philip Goff's a panpsychist. And um, I find it interesting because for the most part, there's, there's two philosophical ideologies about, you know, what is consciousness. There's... The dualist uh, version, which is basically mind and matter are two separate things. Okay. I think you would probably think of uh, you know, most religious people would probably fall into that category. So, you know, we, we, we have a body and a mind. We have a soul. Our, our conscious exists separate. Um, and then you have the materialist who say, no, consciousness is nothing more than a construct of the electrical chemical reactions of our brain and it forms our version of reality based on external stimuli based on uh, internal electrochemical reactions and that is consciousness panpsychism kind of falls in the middle somewhere and mm. it's real i'm still trying to get my head around it i got mm -hmm. a lot to learn i i told i was telling peter the other day i think my one regret that i have in life is that in all the different topics that I've studied throughout life, I never really devoted any time to philosophy. Oh, yes. Okay. And I got a lot of catching up to do. That's okay. You know, we're still here. We're still young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're still we're still real young. Yeah, but you know, who knows? Maybe we can like, you know, master this time dilation thing and just keep going. I, that's right. I mean, <laughs> it's five seconds. We'll be done in five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was the other thing that I got to thinking about is, all right, if we are in a simulation, if our descendants or another life form wanted or did create simulations, why would they do it? I mean, uh, just to throw out a possibility, boredom, you know, uh, why do anything, you know, right? Uh, other than to like maybe or curiosity. Yeah. I mean, see what happens. I guess it kind of falls along the same lines. I mean, video games. Right. The you know, Sims. Like, I mean, we ha I play video games all the time. Right. You know, we play video games, uh, The Sims, uh, or even reality TV shows. Why is it that we are compelled to do these things to experience fun? Mm. And I and I think right now because of boredom. Uh, you know, why why not? Sounds like a fun thing to do, or something to occupy my time, or or maybe to move time along, or maybe that's one of the components of the necessity the necessity to exist is to have time in order for time to exist it's for it it has to flow it has to move it has to go from one thing to another thing from one state to another it has to walk forward it has to get up it has to do something hmm. so pure entertainment was actually number three on my list number three yeah what's yeah. number one so number one this is this is where the geek side of my brain took over okay. um, so number one i thought about historical simulations for analyzing different historical outcomes uh, to improve decisions that that life form would make in the future. Oh, that's awesome. So it, this is one because I, being a 
you know, a, a fairly amateur historian, we like to play what if scenarios a oh, lot. Okay. You know, oh, cool. What what if this? You you and I have done this. On, we have. Yeah. Done yeah. On, I mean, yeah. without even realizing it. <laughs> yeah. The 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 deontology, the threshold deontology. It's like you know, if you could go back to eighteen eighty nine and and you're, if you could go back to nineteen thirty two and kill. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, the, the rising to power Hitler. Right. <laughs> uh, would you do it? Um, oh, oh, okay. Well, you would. Fine. What if you had to go back to April 20th, 1889 and kill infant baby Hitler? Could oh, you do my. it? Yeah. yeah. It's a whole different. Uh, and, and it's like, all right, we got to take the gun out of your hands. You got to choke him to death. Oh, you know, God, it's yeah. like, you know, <laughs> so, you know, these are the kind of things is if you had sufficient supercomputer power, mm-hmm. you could run all kind of historical simulations, determine the outcomes of things that would happen. A lot of people think history is nothing more than studying what happened in the past, but that's not true. True history is studying change. Mm-hmm. You study the events that caused change in the socio-political society that eventually led to where we are today. But what happened if what would happen if one of those changes didn't occur? And if you had the right algorithm, the right program, the right type of computer, uh, you could do that. With all, uh, yeah, oh, sure. Uh, they they run simulations like that that get more and more sophisticated all the time. Um, like watching documentaries like The Great Hack, you know, how we can you know, be politically influenced to right do things that we think are our own ideas but they're actually somebody else putting those i just just nudging us ever so slightly in the right direction and influencing our decisions without us even knowing it right and i think you know again i'm i'm kind of a late 18th century historian so i i think about things of what would have happened say if james madison and his peers had decided no you know what in the constitution we don't care what the Southern states say. We're going to outlaw slavery from day one. And they refused to sign uh, or ratify the Constitution as a result. And we ended up with just the Northern states making up the United States of America. Would we have had a civil war that led to the deaths of six, 700,000 Americans uh, 80 years later? Um, and you know, would it have been a more harmonious a resolution that happened. What what would things be like today with regards to equal rights and civil liberties? That that's kind of one of the historical perspectives. But then you know the religious perspective. How how do the different religions form? Why do they form? How do they influence mankind? What what could change how they would influence mankind? And then of course you have technology. You know. Oh yeah, I mean, how would that have changed? You know. Uh, they, they say that, uh, you know, wars can inspire some of the greatest technological advances that we ever have. Exactly. You know, had that strife not been going on, would society not have been motivated enough to even create these inventions? Or was it happy and content enough doing what it was? Apparently it wasn't happy and content enough doing what it was. It, war in, in, ensued and... Um, you know, that usually comes from a place of discontent. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, um, <laughs> you would think. Yeah, uh, or you would I, think, yeah. I mean, um, or, yes, exactly, discontent either with an external situation or an internal situation that you want to improve upon. But so back on these simulation things. Um, before we get back on the simulation things? Before we get back on the Before sim- we get back? Yeah, what? Let's pause it. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, 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 I could use a little yeah. more water. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I got to take a piss. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 
that's the one. And I feel better now. Okay. I was starting to lose focus. I was too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Uh, it happens. (laughs) Although now I forgot where we left off. Well, I think we left off talking about something about simulations. Um, Oh, we were talking about, uh, yeah, sorry. Sorry. We were talking about, um, we talked about the you know historical simulations on the the religious and the historical aspect, but then we got to talk about oh, yeah. technology Run, and yeah, why they they were running or the potential of why somebody would create a simulation would be to run historical simulations uh, based off the past in order to perhaps better their future or to attempt to better their future or learn more about their past to uh, just learn more. Uh, right, uh, better predict outcomes decisions they should make to affect the outcomes that they want from those decisions yeah because they want to prevent catastrophe or something i mean yeah that's what i would want to do too yeah hold on on. okay um you're such a bastard you got me you got me hooked on guinness oh i love that stuff yeah uh not officially sponsored by guinness but maybe someday maybe maybe one day yeah (laughs) (laughs) But that, that was my first thought on um, historical simulations, why we would want to do it that way. It, it's basically, it would be the ultimate what-if resolver. Sure. Um, it would be crazy, too, though. It's like you're creating these simulations, but what if you're creating more realities and just subjecting people to either hellacious torture or heavenly boons? <laughs> That's it. That's it. I, I think it was Utopia. You haven't seen Utopia. Utopia on yeah Amazon Prime. That one uh, I remember that one. Yeah, that was where, awesome. Well, the one where the the guy dies and it's actually it's in the future and they can upload consciousness into a digital heaven. Oh wow! No, I don't think that's Utopia. That's, no, maybe um, it's not. It's upload. It's upload. called upload. Okay, that's what yeah. it was. It, I mean, it's corny as hell, but but we we laughed our asses off watching it we thought it was great oh wow and it's this digital heaven and it's so typical because it's exactly what we would do as a species it's um you know you're in there and you show up you're in this grand luxurious hotel and you get up in the morning and you you know have a shower and then you go down to the to the restaurant and it's this beautiful decked out breakfast bar but when when you go and like try to get your food it says no if you don't have enough credits available you have to like eat the continental breakfast from the shitty buffet oh no and the only way to get credits is for one of your descendants that's still alive to actually pay real world money to the corporation that created your digital upload oh wow so they're constantly getting fed and it's basically it's like the guilt that a funeral home puts on people, I, you know, don't you want your father to have the nicest casket? You know, and then oh, wow. the, the $10,000 casket, well, they're doing the same thing. It's like, <laughs> don't, don't you want the, the consciousness of your, of your dead son to enjoy a good breakfast? Well, that'll be 1099 that we're going to take from you. Wow. And how would they, oh my God, what a show. I got to see that. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's like, it, it's almost like the boys, how it is like, okay, if superheroes existed today, that's exactly what it would be like. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that was it. So to close the door on, on historical simulations, my, my next thought was, and again, this might just be more for my own curiosity and I'm projecting, would be evolutionary simulations. Oh, sure. Yeah, like would you create... Uh, 
better, you know, a, a, a better egg to eat, you know, or a better, um, like Jurassic Park, right? Dinosaurs, you know, create dinosaurs. Again. Splice the genes, yeah. put in frog DNA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, or, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, there's so many things you could do with, with simulations, you know, to, to run them. Certainly, you know, reasons why. Okay, so go ahead. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, it's... Um, so one of the things on, you know, we look back at our own evolution for, for those that are so inclined to believe in evolution. Uh, I, I get the impression just from my limited studies that if we could rewind time and do the whole thing over, like say a million times, mm-hmm. 99% of those times we wouldn't be here today. Hmm. I, I mean, for, for example, I, I think there are, Again, and I know there's there's somebody out there who's a, a, a pa- paleontologist or uh, you know paleobotanist or something that's screaming and calling me an idiot. But I, I I think there have been five significant extinction level events in our known history. Hmm. It doesn't mean that it won't change, but you know we, we may learn more. And if somebody ever is a caller and they do know the answer and this course needs correction, you know, yeah, we, correct me. Uh, yeah. yeah, Christ, we get corrected all the time. Um, we're married. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> we're, and, and I'm happy for it. It's like, oh my God. We're right. the idiot. We're the idiots yeah. in this household. Yeah. Just for full disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, it's uh, okay. So I believe it was the, the Cambrian explosion. So uh, an extinction event that took place roughly 500 million years ago. Mm-hmm. I think it what wiped out over 90%. Of, of life, of all life, of all species, and what on was the, the planet? What was the event? It was the, the and then afterwards it was the Cambrian explosion. Uh, in I believe it was a mountain range in Canada where they found fossil records that dated back on that time, where really new life started to evolve from that point. And one of the most distinct forms of life were the vertebrates, okay, which eventually evolved into us. Mm-hmm. So. Before that, fossil records don't show organisms or creatures with vertebrates. Hmm. And after that, because of the new explosion of life, because I, I still love, damn it, what was his name? Um, Dr. Malcolm from uh, Jurassic Park. You know, he, oh, yeah. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum's character. Right. That was life his finds one, a way. Exactly. <laughs> life finds a way. And you, know, you wipe out 92% of all life on Earth, that other 8% is going to find a way. It's still going to come back. Right. Um, but, but to your point, that's exactly right. Is, you know, it's, the, it's running simulations on um, not only how did we get here, but how can we, disregarding existential threats like a, you know, a new you know, six-mile-wide asteroid smacks in to the, you know, the Gulf of Mexico mm-hmm. um, you know, and wipes us all out. But how can we evolve in such a manner or can we influence how we evolve to ensure our continued survival? Yeah. Or could, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Using the technology of simulations to prevent existential threats. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not prevent ex- existential threats, but to minimize the possibility of us wiping ourselves out. Sure. Be able to find uh, potential pitfalls. Yeah, so the ozone the ozone layer is continuing to deplete, which I don't believe it is today. But say say you know at some point in the future, 
it begins to deplete once again, exposing us to more UV. How can we evolve to be more UV resistant? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things like, how many times has the end been nigh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it's been nigh quite a few times in my life, and I'm kind of just like, sure, yeah, it's going to end, okay. <laughs> right, right. You know, I'm, I'm just going to keep on living. I'm going to keep keep doing my thing. I'm going to keep finding a way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, again, you know, back to the to the whole red pill, blue pill thing on, you know, whether we live in that simulation or whether we don't live in that simulation, I guess I guess it comes down to not whether we do or don't live in that simulation that really interests me and in my present state, but over the decision of why we would decide to take the red pill or the blue pill in the first place. And what would influence that? Sure. Um, I mean, me personally, I, I think just outside influences in general, I like to think of myself as a red pill guy as well. A lot of that just comes from from me personally, just experience of taking the blue pill and being like, yeah, oh, this is what I need to do with my life. I need to get I need to get my my education and, and get my diploma and then get a degree and get married and have kids, you know, like the, the typical narrative that has been being broken down, you know, for, for a little while now into, into new things. But that's, that's, that's how the general rule of thumb for who was normal was, is, you know, you get your education, you get a job, you get married, you have kids, rinse and repeat. I tried doing all those things and it, it, it's, it's not worked out for me personally, and experiencing a lot of the the consequences of that, and certain elements of strife and uh, and overcoming, um, and learning new things, I've kind of just gotten addicted to rel- red pill attitude. It's like why even why go for the lie at all? You know, why not go for something true that could also be good? You know, like what can we have them both? You know, does the truth always have to be horrible? No, I don't think so. I certainly don't hope so. You know, uh, hope is an ultimate way, you know, to, to, to live, you know, reality that, that now is good and tomorrow will be even better. But uh, we, we don't really know. You know, as Master Yoda says, always in motion is the future. And, uh, you know, any time anybody tries to predict it, just all the way down to the weatherman, it's never right 100% of the time, you know. And if you don't have, like, a guarantee, then, well... Uh, how can you even function? <laughs> yeah, no, and it's, it's, I'm, like I said at the beginning, I've always considered myself a red pill guy too. And take, I personally think that if you asked anybody on the street, mm-hmm. they would tell you that they're a red pill type. You think so? I think they would. Probably. I, I think they would believe regardless of whether they're the blue pill type or not. Let's start asking more people. I think they would think that they're the red pill type. Yeah. And I think some of that um, goes into the category of cognitive dissonance where we don't, we will justify our decisions to believing that they are right. We will reject information that contradicts our beliefs um, or our core values and only accept information that supports those core values. And in doing so, we'll justify or rationalize that as being the red pill type. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know if there's a lot of people that are out there and are like, yeah, I'm the blue pill. I like believing this bullshit just because <laughs> it makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think they believe the bullshit because it makes them happy. But then they justify it in their own brain that it's actually true shit. Yeah, isn't that funny? It's almost like like lies, like almost all the time are instantly accepted. But truth is almost always met with massive amounts of resistance. And, and like I find that sometimes in my own day-to-day life observations where, you know, I'll be uh I'll, I'll be trying to convey an idea and using plain English, no sarcasm or anything, and somebody will just think that I mean something totally different, and then I become frustrated with trying to re-explain myself, uh, something really small and insignificant, and and then it's, and then like the truth just would not be accepted. But then as soon as I say, well, fuck it, you know, it's 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 actually this lie, and I start using sarcasm, then it's instantly accepted, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people like to believe you know, their like, own bullshit. Yeah, something, um, you know? Yeah, you can almost, like, obs- I've almost observed, you know, you can see people's kind of psychic cocoons, you know, where, like you were saying, where where some information is just not acceptable because it doesn't fit in with the the, the blue pill narrative, you know, that they're they're running which is fine it's just it's just fascinating to observe you know when when somebody can say the sky is blue and somebody else can say the sky is red and they both genuinely believe it so what what what's what's the truth there what what's really real if if these two people believe one thing and another one believes another and there's no changing their minds i don't know it's fascinating yeah, and I think that's one of the frustrating things is the is the changing of minds. And I I'm one of those types of people that I'm almost like self-inflicted punishment on myself with some of these things because I I go through a weird thing when um being human when I have something that maybe I've believed in for most of my life, whether it be a historical fact, whether it be um, I'm I'm not religious, so I won't I won't go there. But um, and then I get into I, 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 someone introduces me to contradictory evidence. Mm-hmm. Being human and as open-minded as I try to be, my first reaction, and, and I have to admit this, my first reaction is resistance. Oh sure, yeah. And I'm like, oh no, that's bullshit. But then I go through this weird where it just bugs me for days mm-hmm. and I'll think about it and I ruminate on it and I end up going down rabbit holes on the internet. And if I, at one point there's a threshold to when I start to realize that maybe I've been wrong mm-hmm. and this, I, I have this moment of excitement Yeah, where it's like, this is kind of cool. Yeah. You know, I've been wrong this whole time and I just learned something new. It's an amazing feeling when you yeah. didn't know something and then, yeah, the changing and, and also observing that, you know, within yourself too, um, that resistance and then still being able to challenge it. Yeah. It, well, the, I mean, the biggest thing is you have to take the emotions out of it. Sure. I yeah. Mean, the, the minute, the minute you attach an emotion to a belief system, it, it becomes, it can become embedded into your core beliefs. And if something becomes a core belief, I mean, good luck in wedging that one free. Yeah. Um, but if, if, if you try to keep the emotions away from that, and a lot of the emotions are human, 
And it's like, I don't want to be wrong because my value to society is having information that no one else does and being able to contribute and blah, blah, blah. And holy shit, I'm wrong. Am I going to be outcast? And then your amygdala kicks in and it's like, they're all going to, you know, tar and feather and lynch me. And, and that's the end of me and my existence. Sure. All these like psychological uh, gymnastics we do, you know, to keep our identities intact. <laughs> we are, we, and we are nothing more than psychologically flawed creatures. <laughs> so, but, you know, I, I kind of like to keep talking, like talking about um, being able to observe that, you know, in, in, in ourselves when we experience that resistance to outside information that might challenge, you know, our beliefs and core beliefs. Yeah, because that is something that 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 is kind of important to me as a person is is being able to objectively do that and ask myself why I'm feeling this way or thinking this way, you know, because of the situation. A lot of times when I find myself resisting something, it's for that same thing. It's because it's information that's new to me, but might be subconsciously scary to some degree, and so it's it's harder to uh, accept it. But that comes with like. Next is embracing the fear and, and accepting that new information. Just like to bring up another observation on the topic, because uh, just how fascinating it is with like accepting the truth and, and lies and all this stuff. You know, small observation here, but who knows? It can grow into something bigger. One time my partner, Holly, and I, we were in a luncheon with, uh, with some friends in a studio. And one of our studio mates was having one of his friends come over and uh, they were going to eat lunch together. And he, one of the guys had excused himself to go downstairs to prep lunch. Well, my partner Holly and I and another gentleman started engaging in a conversation like how we're having right now that went on for about 45 minutes until finally I said, hey, don't you think you need to go downstairs and, you know, meet up with lunch with your buddy? And he's like, oh, no, no, he's coming back up here. We're going out to lunch. And I said, well, I think he said that he's going downstairs. You should, you should go. And he was like, no, 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 he's coming up here. And he was so adamant about his belief that his friend was coming upstairs and was like, okay, cool, we'll just keep this conversation going. More time goes on. His friend comes upstairs and uh, the buddy says, well, you ready to go out to lunch? He's like, no, I, I ate it. I just made it. I was waiting for you, but you never came. <laughs> and the look on the guy's face was so shocked. His reality had just totally shattered right in front of my eyes. And it was like, yeah, man, I mean... Uh, I don't know what else to say. You were so passionate about you being right that I, I just gave up. <laughs> you could have walked downstairs, yeah. found out for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't, that was entirely too much of an ask. Yeah. Yeah. Small little observation, but it, it is a weird uh, phenomenon. You know how. But that's <laughs> it. We have this primordial, basal, ganglia, entrenched fear of being wrong. And it's, you know, and that's why a lot of times I, I really think that people, once they latch onto something, and there's two big ones with this, and we're going to discuss these in future episodes, um, and this will come back. Cool. But the, the big ones are religion and politics. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, once it gets into religion, once it gets into politics, people latch on and they will not let go of what they oh, believe yeah. is right because yeah. to say otherwise is self-destructive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's during the pot, baby. We're going to talk about that stuff that wants uh, makes people want to punch us in the face, right? <laughs> no, that's exactly it. But we, I, don't, we want to avoid that. We want to be rational in these 
Right, we do. Irrational and, feelings. And just from a, I mean, if we, you know, we want to get a little personal here, which is what we're going to do over the duration of the podcast. Um, I grew up very conservative, very Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up at some point, probably in the last 15 years, swinging more Democrat. Mm-hmm. And I have come to a point in probably the last eight to 10 years I despise political parties and politicians altogether. Um, I'm not an anarchist. I don't believe that that's the proper system. I know that you know I'm still you know, I'm still a huge admirer of the Constitution and the framers and what they put into that. But to to genuflect at the feet of a politician oh, it, no. and especially what we have today, which is nothing more. I mean, a, a, a majority of a rich, white, old man, good old boys club made up of lawyers. And, uh, you know, to, and just that's what to, it has been for quite some time. It has been. And just to fully devote myself to them simply because they're red or blue, um, you know, I refuse to do. And the same is with religion. It's, you know, people latch on to that core belief. They may go through life getting signs and signals that maybe their religion isn't the right religion, or maybe their church isn't the right church, or maybe they run into, you know, their faith gets tested here and there, and they will snap back and reject that information, and they have different reasons for doing so, and that's fine. But they, you know, they refuse to open themselves up to the possibility that maybe my core beliefs are wrong. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. To me, that's the true blue pill. Oh, sure. That uh, that you're always right about everything, and you you got everything under control. And and if you're if your beliefs are being challenged, then it's only a temptation from Satan, or it's only the manipulation of the Democrats or the manipulation of the Republicans. It's it's never holy shit. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, uh, you know. So you you shared you know some of your background thoughts, you know, I'll share some of mine too. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I've been a pretty historic, uh, bobblehead, you know, back and forth, uh, really just not necessarily adhering to like, you know, speaking specifically about politics, uh, towards one Republican or a Democrat or libertarian, you know, I, I like to listen to them all and all of them have good ideas on paper. Um, you know, but then uh, some of the, the the practices, you know, enough with the words, you know, follow the actions kind of thing. And, you know, it can be so hard to wade through all of the information. You know, there's just so much, you know, how do you how do you pick sides? I can see how easy it would be for somebody to just be like, all right, I'm just going to pick this one side. And I'm going to stick with it forever. And that's just my bet for life, you know. Right. Because it's it's so daunting to have to follow what people say and, you know, learn about all the rules. And, you know, you're talking about lawyers and politicians and all these high concept stuff, you know, but how's a young mom and dad couple, you know, what, what does that have really anything to do at the end of the day of their day-to-day lives in, in their realities, you know, like, are they even aware that these politicians' consequences can affect them? And, you know, can they even do anything about it? is is something that I imagine in myself when I think, you know, about these things because it's very daunting. Uh, so, 
my personal political views, guys, I, I really couldn't tell you, although I've gotten threats and messages from people in the past that know all about who I am, I guess. Um, so, you know, try and slap a label on me and I'll do my best to scrape it off. But that, that, that's just me. <laughs> so I was, I was talking to Holly today and I, I think one of the best determiners of over whether someone's a red pill or blue pill type mm-hmm. is how willing they are to look at the middle ground possibilities. Oh yeah. So I, I was listening to, um, like Lex Friedman is one of my uh, favorite podcast that I listened to. Mm-hmm. And he had a guest on today uh, that I was uh, this morning I was listening to and they were talking about w- one of the things they were talking about is binary thinking. You know, everything's a zero or everything's a one. Right. And there's nothing. I am a, so allergic to that. Oh, I, oh me too. I, I, oh my I, goodness. I despise <laughs> it. And so his, his guest, um, and I'm going to get his name wrong and I apologize. I'll, I'll correct it later on the, on the website. I, but I, I believe it was Timothy Burns. And he, he's, he's quite brilliant. And he's got this, I thought of Holly when I heard this, because he said he's got this, um, he calls it either Disney religion or Disney politics, where if you think about the Lion King, you know, you have Scar and you have Mufasa. Okay. And there's nothing good about Scar. Mm-hmm. He's just pure evil. Yeah, he's wretched. And, and even Holly brought up a good point. She's like, it's it's not just that he's wretched, it's he he's physically deformed, he's weak, you know, he's got the scar. Yeah. And then there's Mufasa, who's noble and always right, never does any wrong. Right. How could you not see how good he is he's, and how bad the strong, other guy is? He's healthy, yeah, he's this magnificent, magnificent looking beast. Um and that's how a lot of people see the world. And, and it's one of the, you know, it, I think it's more so today how they see the world. It's, you know, one side is Scar, one side is Mufasa. There is no in between. And his conclusion was, in his belief, he thinks instead of a zero and one, he thinks that a majority, a far majority of people in this world are anywhere from a 0.4 to a 0.6 hmm. and fail to see that. But the 0.4s will see the 0.6s as ones. And the point sixes, we'll see the point fours is zero. And it's how we get past that. I, I, I think that's really what we need to be able to do to make that intellectual evolvement as a species mm-hmm. in order to understand that the, the gray areas and we can't be full red pill. We can't be full blue pill. You know, we're somewhere in between the two. Well, and so like, and, and, is, is it maybe a universal constant that we have to have where you need the binary ground in order to make the more comp the, the, the in order to make the gray zone like how would you even know it was gray if you didn't have black and white no and I mean dead nuts on and but you you have to accept that there's black you have to accept that there's white in order to realize that there's a shitload of gray in between yeah yeah heck yeah you ever heard of Francis Crick? Francis Crick. Uh, what would I know Francis Crick from? So he he's this um, English molecular biologist, uh, biophysicist. Um, he was a Nobel Prize winner. But he, he came up with something that he called the astonishing hypothesis. The astonishing hypothesis. And I'm, no, I'm gonna, I, I'd like to know more. I'm going to read this from my notes because I've read it like, 500 times and I still can't I, I, I paraphrase it horribly that's okay I'd love to hear it yeah but he said you your joys your sorrows 
your memories and your ambitions, your sense of identity and your free will are in fact no more than the behavior of a vast assembly of nerve cells and their associated molecules. As Lewis Carroll's Alice might put it, you're nothing more than a pack of neurons. And I love it because it kind of boils down to this is the way I paraphrase that or the way I summarize that in the, my failed third effort at a book. No, you'll get there. Uh, no, I turned it into a podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so was that essentially our body is nothing more than an organic vessel that our brain can manipulate in order to survive and ascend Maslow's proverbial pyramid. Whoa. And it, we are nothing more than a pack of neurons. And that's when it gets interesting when I start thinking about red pill, blue pill. It's like, why is this three pound pile or chunk of gray matter floating around in our skull. So goddamn paranoid about being wrong all the time. And, you know, you know, what does it, what does it need to do in order to, you know, ascend, you know, it, it, you know, Maslow's pyramid was, you know, was, was, a, was basically a, a psychological summary of where we try to get to in our lives with, you know, of course the very bottom level being, we have to attain, um, you know, physical security. We need, we need food, we need shelter. Uh, and then as you get up in the number two, you need, uh, you, you know, your financial, you need a job, you need to be able to provide. Number three is you get into your relationships, your social network, your love, um, sex. Number four is where you start to focus on self-esteem and number five is when you get into self-actualization. Uh, you know, when you've hit the fifth level of the pyramid, you're at the pinnacle of your life. You're really looking to maximize your potential as a human being, but you can't get to number five until you accomplish one through four. Mm -hmm. So, so the, you know, kind of the theory of that is, is our brain is just trying to climb that ladder through life. Uh, and it's using our body as a, as a tool for doing just that. It kind of seems like it. Definitely to me. Um, well, it's kind of, hmm. It goes back to boredom. A little observation or a little thing uh, I like to question myself with sometimes is, uh, and I'll question you here now. What if you were God? Like you, Doug Sherman. What, what, what if it was actually you? You know, like, and, and, but, but not like, oh, I'm God. And so, you know, worship me, genuflect, you know, all those things. You know, I can you know, do, you know, whatever, but like, what if we all as individuals shared that ability and, and not just intelligent human beings, but like all beings, you know, all things shared, shared through that, that little flicker, you know, that, uh, that, that time dilation, you know, thing. See if I can kind of hone this down into more of a grounded reality, but like, why is it that we can't see through other people's eyes, you know, like, like you're your own person. I'm my own person, but like, there's not like a, there's not like a, why is there only one singular thing to a being? Like, why does a being only have like one body? And I'm not talking about mana wars or beehives or, you know, things like that. I'm, I'm talking about like, well, I guess, God, that's kind of what we all are though. It's just like a construct of bacteria and fluids and you know are we the god of all those bacteria you know like we're we're like 
what was the what was the Star Trek Next Generation where ugly bags of mostly water? Ugly bags of mostly water. Yeah, I'm not sure what episode that was, uh, but I remember that line. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, that's what we are, you know. And and uh, you know, because I feel like I feel like people come really close to being able to put their finger on it, but the problem, and not only put their finger on it, but actually understanding it. But the problem is communicating and articulating that understanding to another individual to really connect and to really have true understanding. Does that make sense? That's exactly what we're trying to do here. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's it. It's how, you know, how you can communicate in a manner to where you're not communicating for the benefit of simply influencing or projecting your belief system upon others you're communicating in a manner to where you want to enlighten yourself and you need that dialogue in order to do so mm-hmm. is that kind of maybe you know so so many times when i present questions they just tangent off into this brain mush of like wait where am i again um <laughs> but like i mean even kind of looking at us here like we've got this podcast machine here we have two microphones that we're communicating in it's kind of like you know are we like the neurons you know connecting inside of some other larger entity's brain you know i i'm i'm one side of the neuron you're another neuron and this little podcast machine that we're connecting to is is like the the medium to which that connection is being made and then even this guy is going to go off out into you know the uh onto Spotify where other people can listen. And in that zone, you know, of possibilities, we're connecting with other neurons, you guys, our audience, uh, you know, you're, you're the other neurons in this little, uh, party party. Yeah. Um, illustration here, this word illustration. Yeah. I don't know. And then, you know, if we are those things, cool, then, uh, then, then I hope we're doing a good job. (laughs) If we are those things, it, is what it is. We it, have to work with what we have to work with. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and that and that's kind of you know the other thing that it doesn't happen often. But when I wake up at two in the morning and can't sleep, it's like you know what is truth? What is reality? Um, does the red pill or blue pill even matter? Would we be able to know which one we took regardless? Because if say we took the red pill, how would we know? That we didn't just leave the real world into a simulated world. Yeah. And now the people who are around us and uh, exist in our reality um, are telling us that, yes, this is real. Um, that, that other world was simulated. You are now in the real world. <laughs> How would you be able to tell whether or not that was all bullshit? Sure. And is that is that what people with like schizophrenia are dealing with? Or, uh, you know, uh, maybe they're the only real red pillars. Yeah, uh, you know, or, or people who are um, uh, Alzheimer's, you know, or something, or people that experience any kind of weird mental phenomenon where, you know, you're in another place and then all of a sudden you're like, well, where am I? So this gets into something that you touched upon um, earlier on a couple occasions. It's um, at, at, at the end, it may not really matter um, because we only have to work with what we have, mm-hmm. but they're you know, for me, and I, I think for most people, there there are two kinds of truths, okay, um, or two kinds of realities, um, or two kinds of faiths, schools of thought, schools of thought, whatever. There's objective and there's subjective. 
Okay. And, um, you know, if, if you have a, an objective truth, it's something that you believe because all of the evidence that you have available to you points towards it being true. I mean, if you have uh, empirical data uh, that supports a hypothesis and, you know, the, the data and evidence being tested, observed, and corroborated by, by others who share an interest in the subject, you know, I have sufficient expertise on the matter uh, and, and don't have ulterior motives for confirming one way or the other, you know, then, then you can say that your belief in that conclusion is, is objective. Uh, and objective truths throughout history have been wrong, you know, in the physics community. I mean, how often have physicists believed one thing and operated under that principle or that premise for centuries? And then somebody comes along and says, I have evidence that says otherwise. And the community, they they resist, they push back, and then they review and they corroborate and then they buckle and then you have a new theory that they work against and you know so for me that's an objective truth it's that makes sense i think there i think that there are very few adamant absolute truths in our lives Mm -hmm. that we can work with what about um you know chemistry you know i mean like yeah, base yeah. physics kind of stuff, and, and a lot of that. But you, you know, there's a reason why in physics today. Um, so here's a good example. Um, you have Newton's laws of thermodynamics, but you have Einstein's theory of general relativity. You know, why is one a law, and why is one a theory? Yeah, why is that? So, you know, physicists, I don't know if they'll ever create another law. I, I'm not a physicist. Um, you know, I started off majoring in physics at UT Dallas, and I quickly changed my major. Um, it's not my cup of tea. Okay. Uh, it's But you know, a theory, in most of society, a theory is just a general idea that someone wants to posit to see whether it's true or false. Okay. And really, that's a hypothesis. A, a theory is something where all evidence points to it being true, and you can use the conclusions of that theory uh, as a basis for future tests, experiments, and however you analyze it or test it, it still proves to be true. It's like a it's like a working hypothesis that's still in motion. It's, it's like it, a it, it's, it's working out. It's, it's it's almost like a caveat. It's like it's a hypothesis that's proven to be true, but you leave the door open to maybe something making it false in the future. So Einstein's general theory of relativity, while it's a theory. The, the the natural law operates in accordance to the theory of relativity. All observations, all evidence point to that. But what happens, say, at the core of a singularity, at a black hole? Okay. You know, they, they being people much smarter than us, uh, believe that Einstein's theory of relativity may break down at that point. We still don't know. We just don't know. The physics community just doesn't know. We're, we're learning, and we know as a species a lot more today than we did 100 years ago um, right. about a lot of things. But it's kind of just left the door open to, you know, we should stop saying that these things are laws. Okay, uh, yeah. And that uh, we may find information in the future that proves us wrong. But until that time, everything that we have points to it being true, and, and we're not just saying that because we have an ulterior motive um, yeah, trying and to having it to be true. Yeah, trying to spin an idea or something. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's it. Yeah, 
you know, there, there's a lot of distrust in society today in, in science. And I, I think that is a horribly dangerous, dangerous road for us to be going down as a society is the, the, the loss of faith in science. And, you know, scientists are one of the very few professions that spend their lives trying to prove themselves wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's, Looking for more information. Exactly. You know, always leaving that door of possibility open. Right. And even, even when they, you know, go through the scientific method, they, you know, they, they work towards a hypothesis and then they use um, evidence, testing, analyst, observation, uh, peer, re- peer review yep. uh, to, to, to show whether or not they're wrong. But they reach out to their peers and will say, this is my hypothesis. These are my test results that show that the data are aligned with my hypothesis. Tell me where I'm wrong. I wonder if that idea, uh, you know, that uh, science is becoming, or not science is becoming, but um, the words that you had just said, uh, you know, that the faith in science has been tested, you know. Yeah, the The the, loss of faith in science. Yeah, the idea that just popped into my head was, you know, that, that, that could probably... It may come down to like just smaller day-to-day issues. You know, a lot of people read a lot of memes and stuff like health memes, you know, and like science. And a lot of those memes say things like the word science, you know, it's kind of become a buzzword. You know, science now says this, you know, is good for you to eat or this is bad for you to eat. And on a small scale, you know, on small little issues like that, like the day-to-day what should I eat today, you know, kind of thinking... If you're reading a bunch of stuff that says science says this, science says that, you're flip-flopping back and forth, I could see that, you know, becoming a path toward, like, being like, oh, well, whatever, science, you know, it's never going to get there. Yeah, they always change their minds. They Yeah. Maybe it is always changing, you it, know? It has been changing it has. constantly, and that's that's the thing that's so maddening is, <laughs> is, you know, when they change, I have had conversations with friends who have said, yeah, well, look, they were wrong 40 years ago, so why should I believe them now? And it's like, well, they weren't wrong 40 years ago. They were wrong today about what they thought 40 years ago. There's mm. a huge difference. There is. You know, the, what they put forth 40 years ago was based on all of the data and evidence and knowledge that was available to them at that time. They didn't have an ulterior motive for promoting their conclusion. Sure. That that was not why they did it. It was based on what they knew at the time. What we know today, thankfully, because as a species that says that we are continuing to learn. What we know today has disproven what we knew 40 years ago, which I would think it is. I mean, look how many things came out in the 80s that are different today. Oh, sure. Like VCRs and how we, you know, absorb media. Right, exactly. So for me, that's an objective truth. It it doesn't mean that what we know today as being true will be wrong tomorrow. Oh, sure. It just means that we have no idea, and based on what we know today, it is true. That's as opposed to a subjective truth. Okay. Where uh, subjective truths get really touchy, And, and these are the ones... We're going to have this conversation in a couple weeks. Okay. Um, A a subjective truth is something that's true because it fits our preconceived notions or ideology or comfortable narratives, and it conforms to the beliefs of a society, culture, or our social network to which we subscribe. So we believe it to be true because we want it to be true. 
It's what we grew up with. It's what we've been told. We will. It's like friendly to our environment. Right. Exactly. And a subjective truth will obvious. Well, not obviously. I, I didn't mean to say that. A subjective truth will often be accepted, even if evidence and observation contradict the truth. If the person that believes it really wants it to be true. Mm-hmm. If we're faced with evidence or information that contradicts our subjective truths, you really have three choices. You either modify your subjective truth, you disregard the evidence altogether, or you attack it outright. Mm-hmm. That's and, usually where we're like, oh, you're an idiot. Or, or you la 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 la. Yeah. Um, and, and unfortunately, it's, it's a hard step to get somebody to go the first route where they change their subjective belief. But now if we can, you know, observe ourselves when we do feel that, like, oh, you're an idiot, you know, knee-jerk reaction or the desire to la-la-la-la-la, maybe there is something more to it. If the the whole truth-resistance, you know, accepting lies easier thing is true, which kind of seems to be in a lot of, you know, case-to-case topics. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's where we, for me, this is another, and again, I mean, people who are listening probably think we've gone way off on a goddamn tangent. Oh, I bet. <laughs> but it's, it, it's kind of falls into the red pill, blue pill category. So, you know, if you're more prone to objective, objective truths and changing your core beliefs, because you're confronted with evidence that contradicts them, I think you're more of a red pill category. Mm-hmm. If you're, more inclined to stick with your comfortable beliefs and reject contradictory information and evidence, you're a blue pill person. And what's kind of funny about that is some quote unquote comfortable beliefs are uncomfortable ideas. <laughs> some pretty warped ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, yeah, they, they can be, um, and, and I still, I will say that I think the, the two groups of people who subscribe more to the subjective belief mm-hmm. system are the religious and the political. Sure. And that, that's where yeah, you that's- get more into the binary way of thinking. We're right, you're wrong. Everything that they do is bad for society. Everything we do is in the best interest of, of our culture and our continuance as a civilization. And this makes me wonder, is, you know, is, is that some of the base code, that binary thinking? Like, is that some binary base code to the, the whole simulation that we may or may not be living in? Like the political binary and, and good-evil dichotomy of you know, religion? Is that, a, is that us inside the simulation being able to observe some of the code. It's like, oh, you can see there's a lot of binary code over here, but then some of the other code, you know, is a little bit more gray. Right. Know, or uh, or maybe it's where the computer, you know, our simulation universe, our sim, you know, maybe it struggles with anything that is non-binary. Maybe. And yeah. more as, processing power. Yeah, more processing power. It's going from binary to hex code and... As a result, you know, it's, uh, it sh- should be more efficient, but it creates too many r- random mutations within the matrix. And it, as a result, we all kind of snap towards that zero or one in, in the blue pill mentality. Maybe. I don't know. I, that's why we're here. Yeah. I thought we were going to answer all the questions. Oh, I, I thought we were just going to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, and I think we have these... 
I mean, and we see it in society today, and, and God love them. I have you know, my, my military brothers that I served with that I still keep in touch with. Oh, yeah. They're still mired in these echo chambers. Oh, okay. Where you know the the world is is a fifteen mile square patch of land in Arkansas or you know Missouri, and everybody within that area will confirm their beliefs, and it's like, oh yeah, you're right. You know, Donald Trump is a moral, righteous guy, and you know, so they're like, yay, my beliefs are confirmed. Everybody else outside of my fifteen square mile universe is they're insane. Um, or Joe Biden is a is a great president because they're you know, in downtown Chicago and all their neighbors are telling them the same thing. And they're like, Oh, thank God. I, I, I knew it all along. And so, yeah, the, I mean that, that belief there, you know, that that's generating a mental energy within those individuals. And with the whole truth thing, uh, yeah. Like, gosh, what's the truth there? Yeah. It's really hard saying, you know, but people, I guess, you know, we, we all choose what we want to believe or, or, or not believe what we want to accept and what we want to reject. Hmm. Yeah, the, the funny thing about that is, though, hmm. and I, I told <laughs> again, it was one of my army buddies. I won't mention him by name, but he's an asshole and he knows who he is. <laughs> um, I love him to death. I'd still take a bullet for him. It, 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 I finally just finished the sentence and said, you know what? Um, it doesn't matter what you believe because an objective truth will always be right whether you believe it or not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <And that's>, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's kind of like, um, you know, and there's people, so our frontal cortex, we, we were talking about this the other, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you and I. Uh, yeah, our frontal cortex doesn't fully evolve until we're like 25 years old. Oh yeah, um, or, yeah, or finishing to, or it starts around twenty five. Depends on well, the no, person. It, yeah, yeah, it starts younger, but it starts yeah. developing, but it's not fully developed and functioning. And we're so that's one of our flaws as a, as, a, as you know, our frontal cortex is too small. Our adrenal glands are way too large. We're just flawed biological creatures, and we yeah. have to you know learn to make the best of it. But you know, we we have these when you grow up. I mean. There was a book by, um, I can't remember his name. It was a German author. He was a psychologist. And it was just titled, We Fuck Them Up. Oh, no. And it was about how kids are taught things at an early age before they can really logically analyze mm. and really get into critical thinking. Really understand what they're right. swallowing. But, you know, we're taught to respect our elders. And um, you, the information we get from our parents and our grandparents and our twisted Uncle Kenny or... Um, you know, Father Kevin, you know, down at the, you know, St. Mother Mary's Catholic Church on the corner, whatever they tell us, when we're five, six, nine years old, we take that as as a firm truth and it gets embedded into our core beliefs. Oh yeah. And it's it's only by really questioning ourselves and our belief system continuously once we get older and i i didn't start this process until i was like 27 yeah i don't think my frontal cortex fully developed till i was like 38 but i i I started this and it becomes something that i do on a daily basis i question my own beliefs is this bullshit to question your own beliefs no i I question if whether or not my own beliefs are bullshit um of course i have a lot of beliefs so it you know has to be done in bite-sized chunks but it's, you know, it's really, if we could just as a society be open, open-minded to, 
other possibilities, other kind of what you said, seeing things through the eyes of other people, Mm -hmm. different perspectives. I think that's the only way we're going to really truly advance to our full potential. And I'm not sure if we're biologically capable in our current format to do that. I don't know. We may be. What what I was just thinking about is um, that feeling you get, I think it's called catharsis, when you reconcile differences. You know, um, that's an amazing feeling when, you know, you've had an idea that's met so much resistance uh, to when peace is finally made, you know, between two ideas, two, you know, people. Getting addicted to that feeling, uh, you know, could be an answer to solving a lot of problems, you know. When you have that <laughs> enlightenment moment. When you have that enlightenment moment, like, oh, now I see what you mean, you know. and It's a dopamine release. Uh, yeah, yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and again, it's some of the conversations I've had with some people who I'm fairly close to is, um, I think subjective truth is a lot of times, I don't know if it's misconstrued or if it's a euphemism for faith. Hmm. And and I think, especially in the religious context, but it's also carried over into the political context. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, I I can't prove it. Evidence points against it, but I still have faith that it's true. Mm-hmm. And you know, so faith is faith can faith can be a very powerful positive word, but it can be a very powerful negative word as well, depending upon how it's true. And I, I think one thing that we have to understand is it's okay to have faith, but we always need to recognize that faith in anything that can't be objectively evidenced mm-hmm. is irrational. Sure. And it's, we just have to and keep that's a, I mean, that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah. It, it, that's okay. I mean, you can have faith in something that, you know, maybe others tell you that you're full of shit, but that's... I mean, faith is a great motivational force. Faith is faith and hope. They're mm-hmm. great motivational forces. But I, I love the line, you know, hope is not a strategy. So, you mm-hmm. know, it depends upon, you know, when you use it and how you use it. You can't curl up in a ball and not do anything and and hope that everything works out for the best. You know, sometimes you got to get off your ass and do something about it. Sure. But yeah, yeah, it's like, have all the faith in the world, have all the hope in the world, but be objective as hell. Yeah. Yeah. Stay open. Keep that, keep that window open. I even read a great little meme thing that threw up on my Instagram by Einstein, apparently who knows if it's real or not, but you know, (laughs) one of his, 2.7 2.7 million quotes that yeah. are published on the internet. Yeah. But it was, you know, seemingly good advice, you know, makes you feel good, made me feel good. But it was, uh, you know, something that, that he never made any one of his greatest discoveries by thinking rationally. Maybe sometimes you can think a little irrational. You can have that faith, but uh, do be sure to not meddle with somebody else's peace. How about that? <laughs> right, exactly. And I think that's kind of the whole thing is, you know, if you want to be a red pill person, if you want to be a blue pill person, who who gives a shit? I mean, just be good to people around you and we won't care what color pill you are. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, be a good person. The only thing I would say is you got to be open-minded. If you want to be a blue pill person, that's fine. But be open to changing your blue pill ideology from time to time because, you know, don't just reject evidence because it's discomforting and it's, you know, it's ostrich syndrome. It's you stick your head in the sand and go la, 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 even even though ostriches <laughs> don't actually stick their head in the sand. <laughs> That's no way to live. This is no way to live. 
Do you know they are stupid ass birds though? Oh, is that so? Yeah, I I read somewhere they can't that, fly, right? No, they can't. They're too goddamn big. Yeah, it's like put wings on Solo. He's still he's still he's terraborn. <laughs> he's not going anywhere. Solo is my ninety pound Labrador. He probably should be a seventy eight pound Labrador, but it's winter fat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's. Um, I heard somewhere uh, that ostriches are one of the last, uh, well, not last, but they're remnants of dinosaurs, you know, like a similar, like a crocodile. So I was listening to a geneticist one time and they were talking about, you know, could Jurassic Park become a reality? And he's like, I think it could, but it wouldn't be nearly as exciting as the movie, as Michael Crichton's book made it out to be. It oh, would be more a- like the the closest, ironically, the the closest thing we have to a dinosaur today is a chicken. Did you, yeah, did you see the chicken with the with the, the dinosaur face that, that they genetically altered? It was basically, he's like, if we wanted to create dinosaurs today, we could do it with a chicken. Yeah. And he said, but there wouldn't be many people coming to the theme park. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like Jurassic chicken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? But you know, Somebody might. And if you do know, please tell us. Yes, please do write in. So, uh, But, you know, at, at the end, I think what it all boils down to is if we live in a simulation or if we don't live in a simulation doesn't really matter because there's no way to tell either way. Yeah. Except for deja vu. But maybe this is us resisting that idea. Uh, which you one? Know, that, that we, you know, <laughs> like that there's no way to, to, to get out of it. Like we're like, ah, there's no way to get out of it. But there is a way. Okay, we're going back. We're, going, <laughs> we're circling back to square one because <laughs> if we could find a way to get out of it, would you? Would we? Right, yeah. See. Right now, and this is this I'm is this was my curious. Initial, this is my initial point. Okay, <laughs> let's start this podcast over again. We're going to repeat it. No, but this was this was my initial point. Was if um, I have an amazing wife, I have amazing kids, I have good health, I got dogs and a beautiful home, and you and Holly here, and it's just life is. I couldn't ask for a better life. Oh yeah, man. If I found a peephole out of it, would I take it? Mm. I'd be like, I would. And I yeah. just keep on walking. Yeah. I'm telling you. So that's why that that that's where my struggle is between you know I've I've gone through life is like yeah I'm a red pill guy. Uh, in, in some ways I am, but to an extent. Yeah. It, yeah, it's like you know we all have our code. Yeah, we we yes we do. We have our thresholds, and yeah. it's like you know yeah Morpheus, you can keep your shit show reality. I'm happy where I'm at. And it's uh, you know recycle my ones and zeros when I die and do whatever you want with them. <laughs> Make some more ones and zeros. Maybe a two every now and then. Exactly. <laughs> so there was one final thing that I stumbled across. Okay. And did you know that there is a red pill, a red pill Reddit community? I've heard that there's a red pill Reddit community, and I went and scoped it out. Did a you really? A little bit, and was like, Did you do it in incognito mode? No. Oh, people are watching. Uh, I know. <laughs> I uh, I flip them off often. <laughs> <laughs> so for again for for you know our three listeners that don't know about the red pill community, one if you do go look them up, yeah, I would suggest doing it in incognito mode. But it is a it's a Reddit. It started. I think it started as a Reddit community. It's where a group of anonymous, of course they would be anonymous, yeah. chicken shits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's anonymous men 
can express their absolute detestment and hatred for women. Their philosophy is that the red pill is actually Morpheus's wormhole into a world where women rule with impunity and men are victims. So wild. Uh, I don't know. Who I'm, gonna have to ponder, I'm gonna have to ponder that one. Uh, well, we did earlier in the podcast say that you know we are ruled by our women. Yeah, but I'm perfectly content with that. These guys are pissed. Oh yeah, I see. Uh, it's it, it's like it, yeah, who's ruling you, man? You know. So the other thing that it led to is I found out that there's something out there. And again, people are just like, this guy's so naive. Um, <laughs> there's something called the manosphere. Manosphere. So the manosphere is a network of websites that, <laughs> again, it's just, wow. it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a network of websites that promote masculinity and misogyny. Mm. And they, they include communities such as, the incels? Do you know what the incels are? No. So incel is short for involuntary celibate. Oh, okay. So it's these guys. Basically, it's a bunch of guys that can't get laid. Okay. They say they're involuntary celibates because it's the women's fault for not recognizing them for all of their worth. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And instead, hmm. they're just a bunch of miserable, angry dudes that can't find a girl so they have these communities where they talk about how much they hate women and how great it is to abuse women and oh things my God. that, oh, it's felonious context. And, and they're justified in their belief. Because it's the woman's fault. Oh my God. But the funny thing is there's also a section of them that talk about the best pickup lines. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, no, um, I, I wasn't familiar until now. Um, that's pretty wild. Okay, so here, here's something that I took. I, I stole <laughs> this from somebody who actually, they were braver than I did, and they did some research into the red pill community. Yeah. He said, I think it was a he. Um, yes, it was a guy. And he said, the discussion threads are a mixed bag of rage and curiosity, screeds against feminists, advice on how to masturbate less, theories on why women fantasize about rape, Description of arguments with girlfriends, guides to going up to strangers on the street, and most of all, workout schedules and diet regimens. Wild. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that all sounds very full of testosterone. Yeah. And it said there's a, it's hard to tell who these people are. And again, this isn't me, yeah. but I'll tell you where this article led. Okay. It said there's a certain type of person who proudly proclaims to have taken the red pill the most often. Okay. And these are people who have actually proclaimed to taking the red pill the most off, often. Men like Cesar Sayuk, and I probably just butchered his last name, the man who sent an improvised explosive device to critics of Donald Trump, and far-right conspiracy theorist and radio talk show host Alex Jones, people who claim all the time to be red pillars. Okay. Men who hate feminism, who are against liberal ideas, who believe in things like Pizzagate. The guy, you know what Pizzagate was? No, no. Uh, so Pizzagate, yeah. you talk about messed up. So it was, I don't know if it was Q or if it was someone else. And for... for Q from you, QAnon? For, for you QAnon followers? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm sorry if I, if I insulted your sensitivities. I don't know if it was Q or not. But basically there was a, a conspiracy that pizza restaurants, pizza joints, were actually like 
locations for the pickup of child sex slaves. And there was Whoa. a, there was a, uh, God, why can't I remember where this is at? There was a, somebody that ended up going into, is a pizza hut or some pizza joint. He had been told or had somehow concocted the thought that they had a cellar that was full of kids that were being sold off as sex slaves. Dang. So he went in and started killing people. He goes, what else are you going to do? Whoa. Turned out the place didn't even have a basement. Whoa. Um, and he was kind of along the lines of this community. And this is where I stopped. I decided that rabbit hole went far enough and I backed my way out yeah, and yeah. closed it off from there. Yeah, that's pretty wild. <laughs> What's kind of funny is uh, what I was experiencing when you were telling me that was, uh, oh, yeah, really underground, you know, underground sex ring. You know, I, I totally believe it, which got me to thinking because of how easily I believed it. Well, maybe it is bullshit. Right. <laughs> well, there was another one. Um, I didn't know about this until my daughter told me it was uh, um, if you go to Wayfair and, and Mama and I have bought so much shit off Wayfair. Okay. But we used to laugh because w when we moved here um, from California, we were looking at like bedroom suits and living room furniture. And we would see that this most gaudy, horrendous, just over the top furniture yeah. suit. And it would be like $35,000. Oh, yeah. And it would be called like the the Lydia suite or something and there'd be another one it'd be like the Melia room and and so th this rumor ended up spreading is that if you paid for that you weren't actually buying the furniture you were buying a child named Lydia oh wow and that was the whole and oh, they started code. to get all kind of blow it was code yeah and, and again I I don't know who was the source of that but that was the Wayfair conspiracy that so, went and it's like we're going to get in conspiracy theories in another episode. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. it, it tickles the imagination, you know? All I mean, the you know, abilities. I mean, you know, the, the moon landing conspiracies and the flat earthers and all that. Well, you know, especially the flat earthers. I mean, you guys are nuts. Um, but why they're crazy, <laughs> the, the ones that we've, the, the conspiracy theories that have cropped up in the last five years. Oh, yeah. Just blow them away. Well, you know, it's wild to uh, just finish this terrible thought, but Pinocchio, <laughs> and we were talking about this the other day, but when was the last time anybody's rewatched Pinocchio? Really crazy, because I'm pretty sure, folks, that that is a warning to not let your kids end up on the magic island. Mm? Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> um, because Geppetto was quite aloof, and Pinocchio kept running off, and anyway, you should rewatch it. <laughs> yeah, or or not. Uh, yeah, or not, because yeah. you know where it's going to go. And unless, it could you be... wanna, unless your kids want to watch it, then maybe you but, should watch it first. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Pinocchio is a, is, is a warning for parents um and was totally like hey this is like a thing guys um so look out don't let your kids wander off and by the way we are big fans of disney love disney love kids love people in like most innocent sense do not condone any of the, the bad stuff that i can't even think of words for it's just mm -mm. <laughs> yeah um but uh, yeah, you know, so that's what you get when you take the red pill, though. You, you start you start uncovering these uh, quote unquote truths, you know, about the world. <laughs> Are we done? Um, yeah, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what else we could. What, what what other things, you know, does 
Red pill, blue pill. I don't know. Should we go uh, take some blue pills and watch some expanse? I think we should go take some blue pills, watch some expanse, and uh, take a piss first. And I'm, I've had one too many Guinnesses. Yeah, again, it's your fault. Um, uh, yep, yep. <laughs> My influence. Yeah, your influence. But with, but with that, I, I think we're done. Awesome. I love you, man. <laughs> right, love you, man. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Irrational Discourse Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, you can send us an email at debate at irrationaldiscourse.com, or you can contact us directly through our website at www.irrationaldiscourse.com. Please include your name and location if you'd like a shout out for your contribution. We only ask for and strive to give in return a little love, acceptance, and mutual respect.